beginning with verse 21. We're going to go 21 through 30, but I'm only going to cover part of that this morning. 21 through 30 of verses of Gospel, chapter 8 of John. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. If I told you that, if I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in him. You take this section, if you want to, you could title it The Gospel Message 1.0. Because in this passage, Jesus really gives out the gospel. In our study yesterday uh, over at Brother uh, Tom's, we, uh, he was talking about some things, and he said, you know, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, it really, you know, so many of us are like, so when I talk to somebody about Jesus and I'm trying to lead them to Christ, what can I say or what do I say or, where, well, you know, uh, other than, well, you know, God is good, God blesses me, but, but what can I say? And in Ephesians chapter 2, it kind of lays out the plan of salvation. Now, for some of us, you may not have heard this, but there's many different techniques back in the early 80s and 90s or late 70s, 80s and 90s. Uh, Dr. Kennedy, uh, who was a pastor down in Florida, had a thing where it would step you through the actual steps of walking by. You walk up to somebody and you give them these certain steps. Do you believe? Do you da-da-da? And they can lead them to uh, salvation. But in this passage, and even in Ephesians chapter 2, if you read down through that, it gives a real simple synopsis of what it means to believe. And really what Jesus is doing here is he's giving a gospel presentation in this very simple form. Because he could give the gospel because he is the gospel. And since he is the gospel, if you read down through it, it's really simple. We make it more complex, but really the bottom line is this. Either you are or you're not. Either you believe or you don't. Either you're saved or you're not. And based on which where you fall into determines where you're going to go. This isn't rocket science. It's not algebra. It's not calculus. It's really plain and simple. 
And we come on the backdrop when Jesus, in chapter 8, had just uh, dealt with a woman that was caught in adultery, and they brought her in, and we know all about that. We also, on the backdrop of what he just pronounced, that he is the light. I am the light of the world. And many got upset with him about that. Well, wait a minute. How can you say you're the light? You know, you can't witness about your own self because it takes the establishment of two or three witnesses to make a, a statement true. Jesus, well, by the way, just so you know, I have my two witnesses. There's myself and my father. And they said, well, how do you know? You can't say that because how do we know it's true? We know it's true because who spoke it? Christ himself. God himself spoke it. Is there any lie in God? No. So whatever Jesus said, and he says it even in this passage today, whatever he said, whatever he did, it was all because of what the Father had already told him to do. So when we talk about the gospel, right here in 21 through 30, so he said to them again, we talk about Jesus was there teaching in the court of the, probably around the outer court there, the courtyard of the women, and over to the southern side were the Pharisees and some religious folks. And while they were there, they were the earshot range of hearing Jesus. That's why they confronted him last week in those verses that we talked about, 12 through 20. And now he's saying to them again, he's presenting the truth of what he has said. He, said, it says, he says to them again, what does he say? I am going away. He's leaving. And guess what? As I'm leaving, I'm going to be going away. You will seek me, and you will die in your sin. I'm going away. You're going to try to find me. But just so you know, Pharisees, and all you religious folks and those who are gathered, you're going to try to find me, but guess what? You will die in your sin. What's the sin? They're going to die in their sin of unbelief. They have yet to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the I am the light. Jesus is I am the living water. Jesus is I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is I am the bread of life. Jesus, I am the good shepherd. Jesus, I am the door by which they don't believe any of that. And he says, just so you know, I'm going to be going away. He's talking about when he ultimately will be going to the cross. But he says, I'm going away, and you're going to try to find me, but you won't be able to find me because you're going to die in your sin. You're going to die in the sin of unbelief. What sins a man, woman, boy, or girl to hell is unbelief. It's not smoking. It's not drinking. It's not fornication. It's not adultery. What ultimately sends people to hell is their unbelief. They do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, all those other things are manifestations of sin, but the sin of unbelief is what ultimately sends you to hell because you have not recognized who Christ is. He says, you're going to die in your sin. You're going to die in unbelief. No matter what I have done, basically, is the synopsis of this whole section. No matter what I have done, and you've seen the works I've done, you still don't believe. And the question to me and you, to those of us that are here today, what is it that Christ has to do to get us to believe? If he's worked a work of grace in our life, and we say he has, then what is it that's causing us not to believe? And will we be like them and die in our sin of unbelief? He says, you're going to seek me and you won't be able to find me because you're going to die in your sin. And by the way, where I'm going, you cannot come. I'm going, where I'm going, you cannot come. Why? Because there is no sin in heaven. Only holiness, only those that have been blood bought, blood saved by Christ's blood, believing in him, only those are going to be in heaven. If you are an unbeliever, you don't believe. And because you don't believe, you're not going to make it into heaven. 
He says, where I am going, you can't come. Why can't I come? Well, where are you going and I can't come? I'm going to go to heaven. You don't believe. And because you don't believe, you can't go where I'm going. To show you the ignorance of the people, they were like, oh, wait a minute, hold it. He's saying where he's going, we can't come. Well, wait a minute. Is he ta- what's he talking about? So you see there in verse 20, he says, so the Jews, many of those that were there said, will he kill himself? Is that what he's talking about? He said, where I go, you cannot come. Is he talking about suicide? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come? He's saying that. Is, that, is, is he talking about he's going to take his own life? No. That's not what he's saying. That's what they were trying to interject. That's what they were trying to put in there. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about taking his own life. He wasn't talking about killing himself. He just let them know, because if you're saying of unbelief, you can't go where I'm going. And they thought in the Jewish culture at that time, suicide was the ultimate sin. They thought if you took your life, oh, that was, that was really the ultimate sin that you could commit. You were placed in a place of utter darkness. I mean, you were out on the outer dregs of hell. I mean, you were just out there. No, no salvation, no, no, because you took your life. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And they misunderstood. And I look at our culture today, and I think to myself, there are so many people in the church and out of the church, they don't know a thing about what the Word of God is saying. You know, they take stuff, and they just start running with stuff. And I'm thinking, that's not what it says. I was thinking last week when, uh, uh, in the lesson, uh, the last quarter of the lesson there, was talking about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And many of us use that as a, as a verse to do things. You know, something that we think we can't do, but Christ strength, you know, I'm in school, I'm getting ready to go, you know, do something, and, you know, I'm asking God, help me, bless me in this test, or bless me, whatever, or I'm getting ready to get a job, I'm, gonna, I'm an athlete, I'm getting ready to play the Super Bowl, and I, I just say, you know what the Bible, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that's true, but that's not what the verse says in this context. In this context, it's talking about giving. Amen. If you read the verse, where it is at, it's talking about giving. Paul had just talked about whether I have or whether I don't have, I still can give or not give. I've been blessed. If I have a lot, I'm thankful. If I don't have a lot, I'm still thankful. If I have it, great. If I don't, it's still great. Because of that, I can do all things through Christ. I can say thank you when I have, and I can say thank you when I don't have. I can do all things through him who strengthens me in the context of my giving. I'm satisfied, as the song says, I'm satisfied with Jesus. Now, all these other things that we throw that verse into, it's good. It's all right, but that's not what the verse, the context of what the verse is talking about. And here you got Jesus, same problem we got today, the same problem he had then. They look at him and he said, where I go, you cannot come. And they immediately rush to, is he going to kill himself? No, no, he's not talking about that. He says, will he kill himself? Where I'm going, you cannot come. He said to them, now listen, let me help you out. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Just so you know, to the Jews, you got to have the right viewpoint. How you look at this, how you look at life, how you approach life, determines on where your focus is and where your eyesight and where you are. For many of us, we would be with the, where these Jewish people were. 
We're from below, which means we're from the earth. We're, we're from the natural realm. We base things on how we see and what we see and how we feel. Okay? That's how most of us tend to live our lives. Based on how I feel, how I think, well, I, you know, whatever's happening around, my, my, my circumstances determine what I'm going to do or not do. That's earthly. Also, that's earthly. That's central. That's, that's living below. Jesus says, no, 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 I don't live below. I live above. My viewpoint is from above, which is heavenly. I live heavenly. I live with heavenly thoughts. Do you realize that when you and I are living the Christian life, we're supposed to be living this life each and every day with heaven in view? You hear what I'm saying? Where to live, when you woke up this morning, you should have said, and I should have said to myself, even now so come, Lord Jesus. What does that mean? I woke up this morning with the anticipation that Jesus is going to come today. That's how the New Testament church lived. Under persecution, under the threat of death, under the threat of Rome, under the threat of Caesar, whatever's going on, they actually live each day of their life with the hope and belief that Jesus was going to come then. We don't live like that. We're already thinking about tomorrow what I got to do. Or not even that, what I got to do this afternoon. You know, we're worried about, all right, let's see, I can't wait for church to be over because I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go do that, I got this. Tomorrow, let me see, what I got to do tomorrow? Oh, yeah, I got to do this. Tuesday, I got to do that. We live on that. And in all that doing, which is good in of itself, is there ever a point in time that you say to yourself, Lord, I hope you come today? You know why we don't say that? I mean, I said, catch what I said. You know why we don't say that? It's because what the old timers would say, don't let them what? Catch you with your... Work on. We know there's some things we need to get right. And if he was to come today, we'd be, our first words out of our mouth would be this. Oh, I ain't ready. I'm not ready, Lord. <laughs> you know, I, I, I got some things I need to do. I got some people I need to talk to. There's some things I wanted to do. I never got to go. Lord, I, I want you to come, but I don't want you to come. I want you to come because I, 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 I know what it means. But I have, I've never been to Florida yet. I, got, I haven't been on my cruise yet. I need to take, Lord, if you're going to come, come at, in, in July or August after that. Because then I haven't been on my cruise. It, it was funny. It was funny when before Joshua got married, we were talking. And he said, Dad, I, I know that, uh, you know, we should be anticipating the Lord coming and, and stuff. He said, but... I just kind of hope you don't come too soon so I can get married. And I said, I understand what you're saying, son. I got it. And he's right in the sense that that's how we all live. We live in the moment. We live in the anticipation of other things. But we don't live with the thing that Jesus says, look, the reason why you, have the, you don't have the right viewpoint is because you're living based on your circumstances down here. You're living earthly. You're living naturally. And I would venture to say, and I, and I think it's more the case than not, the majority of people who are Christians today fit into the category of nominal instead of phenomenal. Nominal Christianity is you do the least of what you can do. Oh, you can be saved, but you do the least that you could do. Nominal. 
Everybody coming to Sunday school, that's not a priority. It's not being on here on Wednesday night. That's not a priority. If I make it to Sunday morning, hey, be happy. Jesus, you ought to be satisfied. Pastor, you ought to be happy that I just make it on Sunday. Because you don't know, it's even hard for me to make it on Sunday. If I didn't have to make it on Sunday, I probably wouldn't be here. Nominal. Do the least. Participate the least. Give the least. Give God whatever. Not the best, but the least. Just, who was, it? Who was I talking to? Maybe David or somebody. We were talking, somebody I was talking with, they said, if we said that we're going to have church service, if I said to every member of this church, whether they've been here or not, if you make it a regular part of your life to come on Sunday morning, come to Sunday school, come on Wednesday nights, start participating in services, start wanting to sing, all these great, all the things that we ought to be doing, and if you start doing it, I will give you $100 a week. The price would be full. He's going to give everybody $100 just with folks that don't even belong will start belonging. Amen? You know I'm right. Because of you said, well, wait a minute, Pastor. If you start doing that, I might come more off of myself. But here, here's the thing. God gives you more than $100. Amen? I mean, I could point to some of us in here this morning and talk about, give me a testimony of what God has done for you while you've been here. And some of you will say, well, you know what? I've been through some sickness. I've been through some heartache. I've had this happen. But God's been good. God has brought me through. Nominal. I'm going to work on that. Nominal Christianity. That's where the church is today. We are nominal. Don't, the, expectation, the expectation of most people is I want to come into church, and then after I'm in the church, I'm good. I'm, I'm done punching my ticket. I'm out. The, the opposite ought to be we ought to want to live phenomenally to the glory, to the victory that we had in, in our Sunday school, to the victory in Christ Jesus. I mean, that whole lesson, if it's for some of you who are in Sunday school, you need to learn this. The whole thing is Christ now holds the keys. He's given us, you know, when I was, I was stepped into Sunday school class a little bit, but here's the whole thing. I was thinking of cheerleaders. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, V-I-C. Why? Victory, victory. Why do they do that? They do that so the team that's on the floor or on the field has the idea, you know, give me a V. And everybody says V. If I said that today, give me a V. V. Give me an I. Give me a C. C. Give me a T. T. Give me a, 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 I mean, give me a V, V, give me an I, I, give me a C, C. We ought to be saying phenomenally because when we look at our life, God has given us the victory in our life. I'm not, I'm not sold on this button that we push so often about our weaknesses and, and the things that we don't do. Because, you know, that's, that's who we are. No, that's not who we are. Who we are or should be is we have victory in Christ. Oh, there are things in my life and in your life that's not right, but don't placate. Don't allow the devil to use that to help you to become nominal. Use that to the victory of Christ that he's already given you to become a phenomenal Christian. So, they didn't have the right viewpoint. He says, and Jesus, 
He's telling them, I am not of this world. People ought to look at us and say, they're not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not to be what? Of the world. What do you watch on TV? What do you watch on the Internet? What do you listen to in your ears? What are, all the things that ought to be godly and holy and, and, and things that will enrich your life. But so many of us like the junk food. The housewives of L.A., the housewives of Atlanta, the, all, all those shows that are full of drama, baby mama drama, daba dooba zibba daba alba. That's what we like to watch because it feeds that part of us. We got ears and eye problems. We always want to dip in other people's business. Excuse me, what did you just say? Who? He's saying who? Who's he look with? Who's he? She did what? No. I know what it should be about. Jesus let him know this is about being phenomenal. Living in the victory of Christ, saying, Lord, you know what? Yeah, I got problems. Yeah, I, I need to crush some things in my life. Yeah, I got problems with my tongue. Yeah, I got problems with my eyesight. Yeah, I'm listening to things. But, Lord, you've given me the victory. Victory is mine. Thank you, brother. Amen? Don't allow us. Well, that's just who we are. That's who I am. You know, God understands. Right? Yeah, he understands, but he wants us to be above that. He didn't save you just to be nominal. He wants us to be phenomenal. So when people see your life, they're excited. You're a Christian? You're a Christian? This is what being a Christian is about? Oh, my goodness. I never knew that. If how people look at you was to sell what being a Christian is, how good a salesman are you and I? So he says, I'm from above. My my whole focus is on heavenly things. But you're this world. And I'm not of this world. I told you that. You would die. And notice what he says. First he said they would die in their sin. Now he says you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You've got to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Who is Jesus? He's the son of God. That's what the whole book of John tells us. He is the son of God. And if you don't believe that, we will die first in our sin of unbelief, but also in our sins of all the things that we do that are honoring the Christ. He's just letting them know, by the way, here it is. If you believe in me, you're already there. But if you don't believe me, you won't be there. Guess what they said in verse 25. So he tells them, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die. Unless you believe I am him, I am the Messiah, I am the promised one, I am the one that brings, unless you believe that, you will die in your sins and go to hell. Now here's what, and we'll stop here, here's what many of us need to do. It's like what they did. Verse 25. So they asked him, so they said to him, well, who are you? <laughs> who are you? That's the question. That's what somebody might be asking this morning. So who is Jesus? I mean, they're talking, they're talking to the Son of God right now, face to face, and are asking the question, who are you? Man. And this is Jesus' answer. I'm going to stop here. Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. Look. You want to know who I am? All that I've said from the beginning since I stepped into the world is who I am. Amen. Well, who are you? Wait, did you not see me just deal with the Samaritan woman? 
Did you not remember me in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 about dealing with Nicodemus? Did you not remember me when I talked about feeding the 5,000? Did you not see who I am by all the things that many of you have witnessed? Do you not know who I am? I wrote down some verses here, John 7, 28, just a chapter before. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him does not know. I didn't come of my own. I came from the Father. John 7, 34 through 36, you will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, well, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? The dispersion, all the Jews that have been dispersed. What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. They had the same question. What's he talking about? He came to what? Save us. His birth. Matthew, Luke. You should call his name Jesus. Why Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Jesus said, all the things that have talked about, all the things that you've seen me do, all the things that have spoken about me, and you still don't know who I am? John 4, 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She says, she's talking about Jesus. He's there, he's talking about him. She says, well, who, well, who are you really? He says, I'm the Messiah. Remember the woman at the well? Well, you know, our fathers talked about the well and this and that and the other. And Jesus, whoa, 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 whoa. All that they talked about, I'm that. I'm him. All that they said, that's who I am. John 4, 28, she, so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man. See, when Jesus changes your life, when you finally figure out and know for a fact of who he is, you will go and tell somebody who he is. And the fact that we don't have power in the church today is an indictment on us. Because we're not going out and telling people who Jesus is. Maybe the reason we can't tell Jesus, tell people about who Jesus is, because we ourselves don't know who Jesus is. She confronted, had a confrontation with Jesus, and after she had a confrontation with Jesus, and Jesus, she became saved, she immediately left. And she went back to the very people that she may have left, slept with and laid with and said, you need to come see a man. You need, to talk. you need to go hear this guy talk because the man that I just talked to changed my life. I was a nominal, insignificant, a nobody. But when Jesus got a hold of me, I became phenomenal. I became somebody. And maybe why we don't go out with that same Heart passion and that same desire is because we don't know what Christ did for us. We're content to be nominal. Do the le- I ain't past that. All. Don't ask me to go out and talk. To- I can't talk. What do you mean you can't talk? You talk about everything else. We are good on talking about sports. We're good at talking about television shows. We're good at talking about cars. Whatever it is that's up your, up your bailiwick, you can talk about that, and you're telling me we, the church of the living God, cannot go out and tell somebody about the good news of the gospel? Something's wrong with us. Something's wrong with us. That's why I'm not buying it. I don't... I, 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 you're talking, you're talking, to, to, talking to a wall when it comes to, well, Pastor, we're losing people. We do, blah, blah. I got that. 
some by attrition, some because they leave, some because they just don't work. I get all that. My challenge to myself and to us, what are you doing about that? What are you doing? Who did you talk to this week? This week. Don't, show, don't raise your hands. Who did you and I talk to this week and share the gospel with? Don't raise your hands. Because here's what it is. It's not about joining the church. First thing is they got to come to Christ. We want people saved and know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. After they're saved, then you can talk about membership. But the first basis, they got to be saved. Church is full of members. That don't mean nothing. We want people who are saved that want to become members. Not members that are trying to be saved, but members who are already saved and are, uh, are coming to the church. Should I say that again? Did you follow that? Man, be phenomenal for Christ. Jesus said to them in Mark, John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. I came to do what God wants me to do. You ask me who I am, I'm telling you, just read what I, just go back and review what I've said to you. John 5.30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Whatever God, whenever Christ judges, it's going to be the right judge. It's going to be just. You will not, and I will not be able to stand before Christ and say, that's not fair, Lord. You're not fair. Why are you holding that against me? Oh, no, 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 no. Whatever his judgments are, in terms of our rewards. See, here's the thing you need to understand, and I'm going to close with this. When you and I go before Christ, it's not about our salvation. The judgment seat of Christ is different from what the sinners go through. We're already saved. We're already in heavenly places. We're already in heaven positionally. When I die and now Christ will stand and judge me according to my works and my deeds and what I've done, it's not about my salvation. It's about my rewards. You go look at me and say, okay, now. Let's look at your life. Let's look at your ministry. Were you, did you do what I told you to do? Did you preach the word? Did you say what I wanted you to say? Did you, or did you allow the faces of the people to, to stop you from preaching? You were worried about hurting, some, you were worried about hurting somebody's feelings? Yeah, about feelings about my word, man. I called you to tell the word. Stand on the wall and preach it when they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it, when they like it, when they don't. Oh, you know what? You know, you know what I was expected out of you? You didn't do that. You don't get a reward for that. All that you did was wood, hay, and stubble. Strike the match and burn it up. Oh, you're saved. I got a place in heaven for you, but you don't get a reward because you didn't do what I asked you to do. And if I do get a reward, I don't get to keep it. I got to give it back to him. Why? Because he enabled me to do it in the first place. I can't take pride. Well, you know what? People came and come to know Christ because of me. Oh, no, not because of you, man. You got this bent out of shape. It ain't about you. It's about me. So Jesus, they asked the question, who are you? And Jesus had to tell them, look, have, I have been here all this time, and you still don't know. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same that was in the beginning. I mean, all, all he, who he was, he's already spent this. He's like, I said this before. And how many times 
do I say to myself, and then maybe you say to yourself, how many times do we have to keep saying the same thing? Until we get it. Until we get it. How many of us have children? You have to keep silent down in their ears the same thing over and over again. You think they got it. You hope they got it. But sometimes they act like they don't get it. So you got to repeat yourself. Repeat. And say, did I not say to you, you know, don't touch the stove. It's hot. You walk away. I love children. I don't trust them, but I love them. You say, why did you trust them? Because they're just like us. They're, they're mirrors of who we are. Don't do that. Don't touch that. You, as soon as you turn their head, as soon as you walk. And every time I see a child do something, stop doing that. And they think you're not paying attention. They, they go right back to what they were doing. You know what I think about? I think about us. I think about Adam and Eve. I think about they were just like, God said, don't, and you know. That's how we got in trouble. If you get nothing else out of this, remember this. Jesus is trying to get them to see him. We'll pick it up next week. Jesus wants us to be not nominal, but phenomenal. Christians. He's given us this message. Some of, the, this, some of the things that we say is not new. It's the same story. It's the same thing. And the fact that many of us don't get it is about us, not about him. Pray that the Lord will help us to be phenomenal Christians, not to be like these Jews who missed the whole point of what he was saying. Don't miss what Christ wants to do in our life. Don't miss what Christ wants to do in your life. Don't be like these Jewish people who miss entirely the message of what Jesus was trying to say and what he came to do. Father, thank you for your word. Bless us and keep us. Help us, Lord, to live in the victory that's in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that there are many, probably all of us, need to understand that in him, we are more than conquerors. There is nothing that can come into our life. Paul said that there's nothing that should be able to separate us from the love of Christ. And he listed many things that for some of us deters us from following you. But then he also talks about those things that we ought to know and be rooted and grounded in. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you keeping us. And I pray that we will live the type of life that you have called us to live, a life that is rooted and grounded in you, our faith, our trust, our belief. All of who we are is wrapped up in our relationship with Jesus Christ so that our life will reflect your life and people will see Christ in us to the point that they will come hungry, they will come thirsting to have what we have. Thank you for what you're going to do in our life. In Jesus' name.